And three, two, one, begin. Yes, it's me, once again, Robert Bomander, and this is the Big Year Podcast on the road with an introduction from my backyard where I am relaxing after 31 days of birding during the spring migrations. I spent time at Point Pelee National Park and, of course, Rondeau Provincial Park, Long Point Provincial Park, and a lot of my local hotspots in the Brant County area. But while I was zipping around counting warblers and such, I encountered a lot of the birders from my local community and from, in fact, all over Ontario and some from various parts of Canada. And I decided I was going to find out what their spark bird was. Yes, the bird that got them into birding, the bird that turned them into obsessive nerds and geeks about birds, walking around in funny hats with binoculars, cameras of various sorts, and standing at the tip of Canada, the most southern point in Point Pelee, getting up at 4 a.m. to see the birds. Well, today we're going to talk to some of those people. Actually, during the course of the month, we talked, well, not we, I talked to many of those people, and I recorded them for posterity and, well, this podcast. And what we're going to do together is go back to a time before the sadness of the end of migration season started and talk to the folks who were excited about migration and excited to share the stories. Well, some of them were excited, some of them were a little uh, intimidated, shall we say, or embarrassed, perhaps. Either way, let's start with a birder that I've known for many years in Toronto. Colonel Samuel Smith Park was the place we met photographing, I think it was a marsh wren. And, well, let her introduce her story and her spark bird. Have a listen. We are at the tip of Point Pelee National Park where the most avid birders during spring migration come. And I'm going to talk to Nancy Barrett about what her spark bird was the bird that got her into birding okay so it's a little bit of a gruesome story but um we had a, a male indigo bunting collide with the windows in the house in our house and uh so it was intact but dead and uh i couldn't believe that this creature actually was part of our environment you know i never i just couldn't believe i was really young i was very young Okay, you know what? Start again. I said painted bunting. It's not, a, pain, it's not said, a painted bunting. No, you said indigo bunting. Did, are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Because this guy is really annoying me. <laughs> what is it? He's interviewing me. So an indigo bunting hit yes. your window, yes. and you knew nothing and about what was out there. Yes, I did not know that these creatures lived in our world, shared our world. And uh, I actually took it to... I took it to um, school the next morning and put it in my desk to give, to do a show and tell. And I showed the whole class a dead male indigo bunting. And that is my spark bird story. And now you're stand, you get up at 4 a.m. to be at the tip in Point Pelee National Park during migration. Absolutely. That is awesome. <laughs> but that's not the end of the story. As we were talking afterwards, Nancy related a little bit more. How old were you? Six or seven or something okay. like that, right? Okay. And uh, I left it at my, in the desk overnight. Oh, no. I kept the same desk. Came in the next morning 
is. Oh, oh there my were Vegas God. On the, in the dock. There were maggots on the chair. Are you sure chair. I can't record that? You can if you want, but do you really? Well, enough of maggots. And let's just and continue on to our next contestant, who I met on a bridge in the park, in the woods, where we were searching for the prothonotary warbler, one of the most sought after warblers in the park every year. And who am I talking to today? Uh, you're talking to Jack Imhoff. I'm a naturalist and a biologist as well. well very good. And uh, that makes you very knowledgeable about the birds. But there must have been a time when you weren't a birder that something sparked your interest in birding or a specific bird maybe sparked your interest. Absolutely. Well, I started out as a fisherman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fly fishermen, and I spent a lot of time along rivers and streams. I started seeing a lot of the birds that I had no clue on. And one of the things I wanted to do as a biologist was to identify everything. So that's what started it. I started with bugs, I started with uh, then fish, then I started with uh, insects, and then I went to birds. And then I met my wife, and uh, she was a real avid birder, so we kept on birding. And is birding a big part of your life now? I'd say it's a medium part of my life. Uh, we, we usually do it seasonally, mm -hmm. although whenever we go for a hike we're birding as well. A bunch of feeders around our house, so when we're having breakfast we're birding. Well that's uh, <laughs> the same with my house. Thank you very much. And while we were chatting, Jack's wife actually did find the prothonotary warbler, so that story had a little less gruesome an ending. I wonder how many of you are COVID birders? Birders who at the beginning of 2020 had no real interest in being a birder, but because of COVID, started getting outside more and discovered the fun, excitement, and obsessiveness of bird watching. Well, walking through Tilden Woods later that same day, I was heading toward a spot where American Woodcock was being seen, probably the same one from the previous year, and there were four young birders traveling along the same route as me, and we got to talking and eventually it turned into a free-for-all and well, let's let them tell their story. I am in, I think, the Tilden Woods with a group of young birders who seem very enthusiastic about birding and I want to know about the bird that sparked your interest in birding or just the event that sparked your interest in birding. What's your name, by the way? My name is Clemens. Nice to meet you. Um, nice to meet you too. I think my spark bird would be a winter wren. So I started hearing these guys just um, in like backyard walks behind my home and their song just like really sparked something inside of me. I really wanted to know what the bird was and I really wanted to catch a glimpse of it. And so once I finally did, that uh, really resonated with me and it just sparked my interest to just continue walking around, looking for new birds and um, here I am now. And what's your name? I'm Kira. Kira, and how did you get into birding? Um, I was just in a spur of a moment invited on a week birding trip to Florida. I was just like, yeah, sure, I'll go. And then now I'm here <laughs> doing a bunch of birding. Is there any one bird that made you think I got to keep doing this when you're in Florida? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The purple gallinule. The purple, yes, a very nice bird. And do you have any bird that you sort of have as a target here in Point Pelee? I'm still really new to birding. This is my first time in Point Pelee. So I have my friends to help guide me. And, and who's the most experienced birder here? <laughs> it's a really good way for us to actually bond. Mm -hmm. So we, yeah, we are all co-workers. Mm -hmm. And I feel like birding really brought us together. And it like created 
a sense of like community between us and uh, now we actually go and hang out outside of work which is really those. nice who, who said they were a uh, covid birder Oh, yeah, most of us. All of us. All of us. For sure. I couldn't believe how many new birders I kept meeting after 2020. Mm -hmm. And as bad as it was, it got so many people into birding, which means they're also into conservation now. And what's your favorite bird? Oh, Heather says she has one. (laughs) Again, I'm not the... uh the best birder. I definitely got into it because of all these ladies, um, but I love northern perulas. I have to thank you all very much for indulging me and uh, being a part of my Point Peely special. <laughs> and wasn't that fun? These encounters I've had while birding, though brief at times, were always entertaining and always informative and really a nice way to find out more about other birders because sometimes I'm a little bit, I guess, focused on myself. So our next one is a birder photographer who I've seen around. He's very quiet and soft-spoken, but he does have a very interesting story. So who am I speaking to today? My name is Jaroslav Slupetsky. And I've met you numerous times in different areas of Ontario, uh, and you are an avid photographer and birder. Tell me about your earliest memories of wanting to be a birder. It's a little bit complicated. I started when I was very young in the Czech Republic. I was very interested in birds, because it's really long, long time ago. I cannot really remember what bird was the first one. It, I was always interested in nature. Nature. Yeah, and birds are, you know, an organic part of, of nature. So I was interested in butterflies, mm-hmm. birds, animals, simply everything. And now you are mostly a birder? Yeah. A photographer? Yeah. And it is, you know, you like something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bird. They are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that automatically you want to take a picture something like f- from memory mm-hmm. yeah you can you, you, you see something yes. yeah and you have you, you want a picture yeah this is something like uh, keep it mm-hmm. uh, you know keep the memory is there one bird that you've always wanted to see that you've never seen tell the truth yes uh-huh. i think it's a uh, kirtland warbler ah. So it is still, you know, somewhere in my mind, I need to see Kirtland Warbler and uh, take good pictures. That's nice. Well, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody has a different story about them getting to bird. And NF Slavs was quite interesting. So next, a birder who will be a guest on the Figure podcast at some point. He is a cyclist, and in 2022, he did a self-powered Ontario big year which kept him to a very specific couple hundred kilometers from his home but he only walked and cycled and I met him in the woodland woods is it the woodland woods maybe maybe not either way he showed me the hooded warbler which was the only hooded warbler I saw in 2022 and Later that year, I helped him get the little blue heron, even though the little blue heron was white because it was a juvenile little blue heron. And this year we caught up again and he told me about his 
spark bird. I am at Point Bailey National Park with Brett Forsyth. Brett Forsyth. <laughs> Thank you. Brett Forsyth did a human powered Ontario Big Year last year. Was it actually a record? Uh, as far as I know, if anyone knows of someone who has done a human powered Big Year, I'd like to know. I can't find one. So yes, I, I believe it is the record. How many did you see? 274 species. That is pretty good for never getting in a vehicle. <laughs> Do you have an actual bird that was your spark bird or was it just an event or something in your life? I, for me, there was an event of when I moved to Ontario, the first migration and seeing all the warblers come through was the thing. And then I'd say that one of the birds that really got me into it was red-breasted nuthatch. What has been your nemesis bird? Enzo Sparrow was nemesis. I took that one out and then it became cackling goose. And I took that one out on the big ear, and now it's Kentucky warbler. And that would be a lifer too? It would be a lifer, yeah, 100%. Well, you're not necessarily in the wrong spot, but uh, Rondo was just there for two days and did not get one. Oh, no. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, your input and uh, good luck with the rest of your year. Thanks. Well, it was fun catching up with Brett who did a big year in 2022. I was doing the Canada big year and close on my heels the entire time was a very experienced birder named Bruce Di Labio. And Bruce is now doing a Canada Big Year full out, hopefully to see even more species than I did last year. So let's join him as we ran into each other at the visitor center in Point Pelee. Hi, I'm Bruce Di Labio. We traveled the country last year and now you're doing it pull out, break that record Canada big year. And what was your spark bird? For me, it was a nutting's flycatcher. Well, my spark bird was actually a very, very common bird, the black cap chickadee. And uh, this all happened back in the, all around 1966, 1967. I had a bird, bird feeder and I was able to hand tame black cap chickadees at the feeder up at our cottage at Constance Bay and that's what really started me on this with this passion and path of birding and did, that has become a career for you oh yes yes it's been it's been my life there's always one bird that is someone's nemesis do you have like your nemesis bird okay one was the white-tailed ptarmigan which I finally got to see back in 2005 up in Jasper, but I had looked for it many times starting back in 1977. So that, that, that must have been very satisfying. When oh, you it was it. incredible. It was okay. incredible to well, see. Thank you, and I will look forward to our podcast together later in the year. Okay, thank you, Robert. It was fun talking to Bruce at Point Pelee, catching up with him as he was one of the inspirations I had for seeing over 450 species because he had been one of the top birders, if not the top birder in Canada the past few years. And now one more interview from Point Pelee before I head off to other parts of Ontario during the month of May. And it's a nice young man I met before I headed home and I had seen him around but never really got to know him. So this is my quick chance to get to know another birder that I knew by face but not by name. Okay, what's your name by the way? Colin Gerber. Colin, uh, for this 
Trip, I'm just looking at to find out what sparked people into birding. Some people have a spark bird or an event. What was yours? Do you have a bird? So I were camping in the Smoky Mountains and into our site came a large woodpecker. We took a great picture of it. It was right in front of us and uh, much later we went to Rondo near where my parents lived and we went into the shop and picked up a field guide to try and figure out what woodpecker it was. And we narrowed it down to either a pileated or an ivory build. <laughs> Uh, it was a, You'd be famous if it were an ivory build. Oh, exactly. So obviously, the pileated woodpecker uh, was notable enough that we decided to uh, put on a pair of binoculars and walk around Rondeau and haven't looked back since. Thank you. Uh, well, I guess it's hot dogs. Or sausage, or we have a little bit of soup left too. No, then I'll have a hot dog. Hot dog? As you might have surmised, I was doing that interview in the line at... Point Peely, where you get your birders breakfast and brunch. And yes, I had the hot dog. Some days it's a hamburger, but it's always really great donuts in the morning, that's for sure. The donuts that you get when you get back from the early morning excursion to the tip to re-energize you for the rest of the day of birding. Next up, I caught up with Kyle who is an incredible bird guide and birding buddy that I've known for many years. Originally met him at Wild Birds Unlimited where he works and I've never really talked to him about what got him into birding. So now I'm going to find out. I am on a trail in the middle of Point Pelee National Park with- My name is Kyle Holloway. And I should have known that. Yeah. We are presently trying to find a woodcock but I've been wandering around the park talking to strangers, and Kyle is no stranger to me, <laughs> just asking them what their spark bird, what was the spark that got them into birding, or what was the bird that they saw that made them kind of devote their lives to birding? Yeah. So uh, I've always had an interest in nature and, and especially like animals. Uh, I remember as a kid stalking uh, what turned out to be a snow bunting on my school playground in the winter. Um, which is my earliest like bird memory, uh, but the bird that really got me involved in birding more actively uh, was uh, I think it was in 2001 or 2002 when the great gray owls erupted down into the GTA and getting a pair of great grays at Tommy Thompson Park uh, with my dad. Uh, that was the first bird I ever chased and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the, what a lot of people say, downhill, not uphill. Uh, and the other question I'm asking is, what's your nemesis bird? Or was that, did you finish with that today? No, did not finish with that today. Although Ptarmigan was a nemesis because I missed it when we went up to north of Cochrane when those ones had come down and then apparently got shot by hunters before we got up there. And Kirtland's was my nemesis last year, but got it when they came to that breeding spot. Mm -hmm. My new nemesis, it's been a long time since I saw a worm-eating warbler, so maybe that guy, but I haven't really actively tried for it. Thanks, Kyle. No I appreciate problem. you contributing. Not long after that, I was in Long Point Provincial Park, and it was one of those magical days during spring migration when so many different birds, including tons of warblers, were all concentrated in one spot. And that's where I met two generations of birders. I am here in Long Point Provincial Park at the bird banding area, and I have a new birder and a very experienced birder with me. And what's your name? I am Connor. And who are you? Marianne. Marianne, it is 
thrilling for me to see you taking Connor out birding uh, at such a young age because now there's no turning back for Connor. He is going to be obsessed with birds <laughs> for as long as he has the will to go out there. And I normally talk to people who do big years, whether they're traveling around North America or Ontario or their own county. But today's episode is all about people's sparks. The spark bird that got them into birding or the spark, the thing that made them want to bird. What was your first bird that you got excited about earlier? I'd say the downy woodpecker. That is a, that's a neat bird. It's one of the first birds that's easy to identify when you get into birding. And how was it that you started taking binoculars with you and going out birding? Who was your inspiration for that? My grandma. Your what? grandma? Yes. Wow, what a great grandmother. Tell me, what was your spark bird or what was your inspiration to get birding? Well, I guess from a long time ago, it was just listening to the sounds of songbirds, like commonly a robin, you know, mm. just sparked that interest in what is that. And uh, because we live in Hamilton, there's a lot of great areas to bird around there and lots of trails. So just got into it that way. That is great. And you've made it a lifelong passion. I have so. Well, thank you very much, both of you, because to me, the spark that gets people into birding is part of the excitement of continuing to learn. Thank you. Thank you. I don't talk about it very often, but I have OCD, ADHD. I have a lot of cognitive and mental issues that I struggle through from day to day. And birding has become a way of funneling all that nervous extra energy. And I'm not the only one. A lot of people who have cognitive issues and ADHD and our OCD definitely benefited from birding and that's where Kelly Sue comes in because we discovered out birding last year that we share some of the same issues and she is one of the people who works diligently to get the message out that birding can be such a source of joy and inspiration and benefit to people who have issues that they struggle with. And without further ado, at the Pony Barn, in the woods, again, in the woods, it's always in the woods, I caught up with Kelly Sue. I am in the Pony Barn woods at Rondo Provincial Park as part of the Big Year podcast on the road, and I am with a friend of mine who I originally only knew as Burger KS, but what is your actual name? Kelly Sue. Some people say they have a spark bird. Other people just have a spark event. And I want to know what got you into birding and why it's so important to you now. I do have a spark bird. And my spark bird was in downtown Toronto in an alleyway behind Queen and Bathurst, where I was living at the time, about 18 years ago, I would say. It was a little yellow canary. Oh. <laughs> It's not a usual spark bird because it was a domestic bird, but it was lost back in the alleyway and I came across some Americans trying to catch it and they had to go back to the border. So they said, will you stay and catch it? And I said, I guess. And I stayed and caught it, couldn't find the owner. And eventually that bird became my best friend and it interested me in going out and finding wild birds. Well, that is a really cool story. That is different and mm -hmm. that's, that's what's really cool. Is that banana bird, that was his name, saved my life and I saved his and that is so true because it gave me something else to care about other than myself and pay attention to 
and he found me at a bad time in my life and when I started doing birding in the wild it was the same thing I found at that time I had not been diagnosed with ADHD yet all I knew is that my mind was quiet when I was birding and it just felt like such a huge relief to not have 800 things going on in my brain at the same time so I started seeking out birding as a way of just you know oh look the Orioles just flew behind us sorry <laughs> ADHD um, <laughs> but it's ADHD on birds so and that's a good thing <laughs> yeah. because of my obsessive compulsive disorder being compulsive about birding is actually a positive if you can take especially kids who have uh, OCD and and get them focused on something that they can really be passionate about the OCD is no OCD anymore yeah I agree with you and I always say there's like different superpowers to having these things so um, for ADHD it gives me hyper focus on birds it helps me learn about birds and it just yeah it gives me somewhere for my brain to focus and that's really important excellent well we will continue this on a full podcast at uh, some point in the near future but thanks Kelly Sue uh, it was great meeting you for the first time way back when in Colonel Sam it's great being here with you too it's gonna hopefully we're gonna go see some warblers now yes thanks <laughs> bye bye yes chasing birds can seem very obsessive compulsive but it's also a really great way to socialize with people when you have a little bit of social anxiety disorder like I do when you're birding you can sort of encounter people for short bursts and then move on and that is what happens when we chase rare birds in fact recently there was a worm-eating warbler in a park and a number of us chasers showed up there including a couple of people that I got to talk to while on the trails and let's meet them now so who am I speaking to today Colleen Riley. Colleen, we just came from seeing a worm-eating warbler, which is a target bird for everybody in the spring. I didn't see one last year, and I'm so glad I had you around to tell me where it was. But what I'm asking now is what your spark bird was. What bird or what event sparked you into birding? So in my 20s, I worked in South River cleaning up trails, portage trails, and checking campsites in Algonquin Park. So I was part of a work team staying on an island in the middle of a lake, and I decided that I was going to go sleep on the mainland by myself, which was kind of scary. But early, early in the morning, I, I woke up. I could hear otters playing by the lakeside. There was mist covering the lake. And then I looked up, and a hawk was flying straight towards my head. It made eye contact with me and then sharply veered off right over my shoulder. And that was when I knew I had to know more about birds. That, that is a great story. I love it. And uh, you haven't turned back yet. And now you uh, have turned that love of that first hawk into a birding obsession almost because now you take people out on uh, trips. I run the Pippets. Uh, it's a group. We go out almost every week locally and we go as far as Long Point and Algonquin, Point Pelee. Um, I have a website, thepippets.com, and my trips are typically listed there, but migration is on right now, so I'm a little slow to get them up. Thank you very much. That is great. It's always nice to meet people who are introducing more people into birding. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. And if you do live in the 
greater Toronto area, look up the Pippets because I believe you'll have a great time going out with Colleen. And she also seems to have a knack for organizing outings on days that rare birds show up in different places. So just before I headed home from the worm-eating warbler sighting, another birder showed up who needed a little guidance as to where to find it. And that was a gentleman who helped me a few weeks ago, or a little longer probably, finding a flock of bohemian waxwings. So we took a walk along the path to get to the rare warbler sighting and had a nice little conversation about his unique and very enlightening story of his spark into birding. The audio wasn't too great, but I hope to be able to enhance it and let you hear the story that Shay Smith has to share. kind of been into birds but when I saw the story of um, the incident with Christian Cooper and uh, him as a birder trying to um, have an interaction with somebody who had an off-leash dog and it ended up reporting uh, that kind of negative incident um, was actually kind of a had a representative feel for me where I didn't realize that hey black people are outdoors doing stuff with birds and nature which uh, you don't really see a lot of so it got me interested in I started looking into, you know, what is this birding thing? How to do that? Where could I find birds? And uh, kind of got hooked from there. And now there's no turning back. Yeah, absolutely not. Okay, so no. We're meeting warblers in the middle of Halton region somewhere. Exactly. Well, yeah. that, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing. And yeah, no uh, hopefully before uh, you have to leave, this worm eating warbler will show up. Hopefully, yeah. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. And Shay did eventually get to see the worm eating warbler and... Of course, I got to see it, which was sort of a do-over bird from 2022, and one of the few birds I've seen this year that I did not get to add to my list last year. And finally, before we go, I'm going to let my friend Andy tell you about his bird. Unfortunately, we were on the beach in Point Pelee, and it was my first time using my recording device and the wind got the best of me so it's only a partial bit but Andy will be on a future podcast as well because he did an Ontario big year along with five or six other awesome birders who spent all of 2022 birding in the entirety of the province of Ontario and he has an interesting story to tell and uh, we've uh, worked on birdhouse projects together so I'll let you have a listen to his spark bird and that will wrap it up for today all right we're on the beach in point Pelee national park and who do i have in front of me right now mandy Nguyen. andy i'm wandering around the park asking people what their spark bird was for getting into birding a red crossbill and i for some reason to my feeder in southern Ontario and I don't know there was something about them that seemed really neat I don't think I would ever get one on my feeder but it made me start feeding birds and that's how I got into kind of just watching birds in my yard well didn't that end abruptly uh, well yes it did sorry about that Andy and ruining your spark bird but I think he finished off by saying that you know he's been birding everywhere ever since and of course he's a really good birder and it's always great to 
have him along when uh, we run into each other when we're out in the field here in beautiful Brantford, Ontario. So that's it. I guess that's it. The end of the podcast, the end of the month of migration, the looking forward to the dog days of summer birding where birds are few and far between in terms of new species for the year. But there are still lots of birds to find and there's still lots of big year birders to talk to and I can't tell you who the next person will be on the big year podcast coming in two to three weeks or even sooner or even longer. It's hard to tell nowadays but with the spring migration I was kind of too busy to make podcasts uh, except for you know well actually I was making a podcast I was just not editing a podcast. The editing is the hard part. And we do have lots of people to look forward to. Uh, big ear birder Greg Miller is going to grace me with an interview in the coming weeks and all sorts of mystery interviews that I have yet to even imagine. Who knows who the next big ear birder will be, but I know there are lots of them out there and I do know that we do have uh, the young woman who broke the lower 48 record a number of years ago, and she's a mystery person that will be on the podcast at some point. So anyway, I'm rambling and rambling, and it's just because I don't want to say goodbye, because I know you're all having a great time listening to me ramble, but I guess it's time to go birding. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And, of course, may the birds be with you.